worshiped by listening to Ruth play. I know that you have. But it's time for you to join me in singing. So if you would stand, we're going to sing together. God is good all the time. Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you so much for coming and being involved in our time of worship today. And it is our time because as we join together, we're an integral part, each one of us, as we lift our voices in song. Some might say, I'm not a very good singer, but the Lord says, lift up a joyful noise, right? So as we sing and as we engage in worship, 
you just participate, be involved, engaged, and mindful. If this is the very first Sunday that you've been here or you've never filled out a guest card, we'd love for you to take the card that is in the pew in front of you and fill it out in its entirety and just drop it in one of the offering boxes as you leave today. We would certainly appreciate that because we want to make sure that you know that we, we care about you. We'll just send you a little note this week and uh, show that appreciation. Join me in prayer and we will continue our time of worship. Father, thank you for our time today. Our heart does sing for joy. You do keep us singing. Father, no matter what happens, no matter how things go in our own lives or, Father, in the world, you're the one who energizes, encourages, and strengthens, inspires us as we allow you to. And I pray this morning that, Father, we will hear your voice. We will celebrate through the songs. And that, Father, every, every single element, we will give you praise. And, Father, when it comes time for us to observe the Lord's Supper. I pray that we will be mindful of that. The meaning, the symbolism, and Father, how it represents your complete sacrifice and the joy of your resurrection and the promise of your coming again. And Father, as we observe that, it challenges us to move forward to be the disciples you want us to be. So, God, Speak to us and help us to experience you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In that little book of Titus, we read, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Wonderful, merciful Savior.
everybody I just want to thank God for being here today please join me in prayer Heavenly Father we have so much to be thankful for just the fact that you woke us up this morning and you set us on solid ground when we were saved we thank you for the privilege Lord of being in this place to honor and to worship you our hearts are overflowing every single day. If we tried to count our blessings, we could never get to the end. So Lord God, yes, you are our savior. You sent your son for us. He paid the ultimate price so we could have everlasting life, Lord. We give you thanks. We ask that you would bless this service. We ask that ears will hear and minds will be opened. And Lord God, I thank you again and again for my life and how you have worked in it, Lord. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name I pray.
Good morning. I am very thankful for the missionaries who went to um, China, also the missionaries who went to Burma and shared the good news with my grandparents. Therefore, I am the fourth generation of believer from my mother's side and the third generation of believer from my father's side. Praise the Lord. Now let us read Mark chapter 6, verses 7 to 12. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over, the, over impure spirits. These were his instruction. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money belt, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. The word of the Lord. I'm thankful that a country singer had the audacity to write a song with classical music. This is it. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that taught my liberty. I do not know just why he came to love me so. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary and view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous the song that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my fault and I need. I shall forever lift my eyes to Calvary. Falling 
Paul, thank you so much. Be nice to have a baritone bass voice like that. <laughs> we thank you for reading our scripture and for sharing part of your journey with us. Preachers never forget their very first sermon. I'm not talking about their first pastorate. I'm talking about their first sermon. I'll never forget mine. Uh, January 23rd, 1977, on a Sunday night at uh, Calvary in Anton, Texas. My dad was the pastor there. I just uh, earlier that month on the 2nd of January. I uh, was in my freshman year at Wayland Baptist College then, and uh, my goodness gracious, he just said, son, there's, there's no better time than to learn. So off I went. I'm sure it was a great sermon. I'm sure that I planned a lot, and uh, I fine-tuned it to the point where uh, I thought, man, I, I hope I get them out of there in an hour. Those poor, those poor folks. <laughs> They, uh, they certainly must have loved my dad. And I got to preaching, and I tell you what, I preached and I preached Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I had a song to go with that. I sang that song, which is about five minutes, and the total sermon was 13 minutes long. <laughs> I've, I've grown in that time. <laughs> There was a young, young preacher, never preached a sermon, and uh, this country preacher said, son, I want you to come and preach at our church. And so this young man, I'm sure he was nervous, but he had studied and studied and uh, talked to his professors about what he ought to be preaching, and, uh, and so he focused on repentance. And he gave this long technical explanation about what repentance was. And that country preacher looked out over his country church and he saw confused looks and each person looking at each other. And just he understood that he was not getting across what the meaning of repentance was. And it was just too much for that old country preacher. And finally he got up, put his hand on the boy's shoulder. And he looked at the people and he said, folks, it's like this. And he went this way and he said, going to hell, going to hell. And he turned around and he started going this way and he said, going to heaven, going to heaven. He said, folks, that's basically what repentance is. That's kind of crude, but the fact is that that is basically what repentance is. The necessity of it, what it, it's needed. I will tell you that repentance is almost a forgotten truth. If you go to Mark chapter 6 and verse 12, we find what we wrote or read, that they went out and preached that the people should repent. That's the focal part of this passage. You know, frankly... We say all the time that we must repent. It is absolutely critical. You've got to repent in order to be saved. 
But the reality is that for many of us, after we gave our lives to Christ and we turned from our sin, we acknowledge it and through the years we talk about it and we affirm it. But the fact is it's not really that real to us. In fact, there's a lot of preachers across the country that never mentioned the very word repentance or what it means. Go back into uh, uh, evangelism explosion, which I think was a marvelous evangelism tool created in, in 1962 by Dr. D. James Kennedy. As you go through the original, you find that the term repentance or even the idea in evangelism explosion was not ever explored in that evangelism tool. And yet we find that Jesus says in Luke 13, 3, unless or except you repent, you will all likewise perish. John the Baptist preached in Matthew 3, 2, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is a centerpiece of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of this to say that repentance is essential. It's essential for God's plan for saving humanity, for allowing the opportunity, allowing individuals to understand that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, we acknowledge it verbally, but frankly, mentally or cognitively, we say yes, but the reality is that physically or by action, it almost seems like we have abandoned it. You see, we've so emphasized the love and mercy of God, which are 100% correct in regards to the characters and the qualities of God. But in doing that, many times we have de-emphasized the need for repentance, that is, and the acknowledgement of our sin. You see, love and mercy tends to make us ignore the justice and the judgment of God. And so it does away with the need of repentance because if there is no justice, if there is no judgment, then why do we even have to deal with sin? We just accept the, the love of God because people say, well, God loves us and therefore we're okay. And that is, that is a false security. So let's talk about repentance. What is repentance? Well, first it is regret. Now, regret is more than saying that you're sorry that you got caught in your sin. <laughs> you remember that as a kid? You did something wrong. Your dad, maybe your mom, was about to use discipline. At least mine did. And I could feel it. <laughs> And man, all of a sudden, I was sorry for what I did. <laughs> I was sorry I got caught for what I did and not for what I did. We need to be regretful. You see, we need to understand because it is to be sorry that you failed. It's to look at yourself and to hate the sin that you see. Dislike the action, the thought that you had. It's to so desperately long to never do that again, to never sin again. Now listen, we must not confuse sin hatred and self-hatred. 
Those are two completely different things. We need to hate the sin enough to say, I don't ever want to do that again. But we must never hate self. You see, we are God's high creation. He created us and said, you, you, this is good, very good. Mark chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. There's an understanding that we have to love ourselves with the light and the understanding that God has love for us. So when we look in the mirror, we don't hate what we're seeing as far as a person or ourselves. We hate the sin that we have allowed to enter into our life, that we have submitted to, that we have fallen into temptation to. So it's regret, regret that I've done it. Repentance is also to do an about face. God said in Ezekiel 13, 33, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 33, 11, the last part, he says, turn, turn, why will you die? He's talking about the Israelites. That word turn is translated from the same word that we get the word repent from. He says, repent, repent, for why would you die? It means to do an about face. You're going one direction like the old country preacher said. All of a sudden you realize it's the wrong direction. I'm going to repent of this. I'm going to turn from this. I'm going to go 180 degrees and I'm going to go the other direction and say, God, I am going to do everything I can to follow you. Third, repentance is to get new priorities. Not just to abandon, to do an about face, but it's to reset your focus. Now, what are new priorities? Well, by nature, we want to do what we want to do, right? That's just the way it is. I, 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 I know that uh, my granddaughter, uh, and y'all's granddaughter, <laughs> that uh, she is not, doesn't have a concept right now of, of right and wrong, but it's so funny to me that that innate nature at nine months will go and will go and touch something that I have suggested strongly deal with because I know it's very possibly going to, uh, to hurt her fingers when she closes it and she will go and grab it and then she'll turn around and look at me. <laughs> Maybe she just wants attention, I don't know. But we have this, this ability to want to do what we want to do. A new priority is to put God before self. To say, God, this is my druther. This is really what I want to do. And, and if it's okay with you, this is what I would like to do. But if it's something that is in dis or disobedience to him, then that's not something we should do. We've got to take God's priorities and put them as our top priorities. If Jesus Christ is our Savior and we want him to be the Lord of our life, then we're going to make, have to make sure that, that he is Lord, that he's directing, that, that we are obedient to him. And so repentance is to regret, it's to do an about-face, and it is to set new priorities, the priorities that God wants us to accomplish. How do we do that? Well, we've got to be in His Word. We've got to understand what His Word says, not just as a devotion, 
but we've got to really study and understand what God's Word says. Sunday mornings, we have great Bible studies at 9 o'clock here where, where the teachers go into depth of, of what the, the Word says and how to apply it to our lives. As we, we probably, many of us, have personal Bible studies that we go through every week where we really dig in to try to figure out what does the Scripture mean and how does it apply to me? What am I supposed to do with this? In September, we're going to have numerous Bible study and topical studies that, that anyone can go to on Wednesday nights or, or during the week where you can engage at your time frame in order to what? To learn and to deepen your relationship with the Lord. These are the things that we need to do. This is how we understand what it means to be regretful, to do an about-face, and to set new priorities that will allow us to be right where God wants us to be. So that is what repentance is. So who needs to repent? The Scripture tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. All have sinned. Now, if I had a, a cart of apples over here, and I said, bring me all of those apples, would I want you to bring me half of them? Oh, I'm sorry, that, that, you can answer that question. <laughs> no, that's not what all means, does it? I want all of them. If the scripture says all have sinned, it means that every one of us have come to a place in our life, usually when we're younger, the age of accountability, where we know the difference between right and wrong, and we choose to do wrong. And then we're separated from God. So who needs to repent? Well, the Bible tells us that all have sinned. In fact, you go to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10, he's writing to believers and said, if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. So those who don't know him, all of us who have not accepted Christ, we need to repent. And those of us who are believers need to look deep within our hearts to make sure there's no life. We have no sin. We make God a liar. I'm not really wanting to make or to say that, God, you're a liar. just don't want to do it. And so, on an ongoing basis, I have to ask God, God, are there things in my life, I think I'm doing pretty well, but are there things in my life that you need to bring to my mind and my heart that I need to adjust and change to be right where you need to be? As I study your word, allow your speak to me so that I understand this is something that I need to apply. It's not just for somebody over here that I think of, it's actually something I need to adjust. So repentance is essential to the lost. Again, I want to go back to Luke 13, 3. Jesus said, accept or unless you repent. You see, there's no other road to salvation. Now, if you get into the world, there's a lot of spiritualism out there, not just Eastern mysticism, but so many other spiritual things out there. People think they're, and actually are, spiritual beings, but they're not awakened, so many. They have their own path. They're smorgasbord that uh, they take a little bit from, from this religion, a little bit from this religion, a little bit from this. I, I, it's like a smorgasbord of everything I like about those religions, everything I don't like, I'm putting off to the side because I don't like them. How can you dismiss everything else? You become God when you choose to say, okay, these are the right elements. All these others that they have are wrong. You're making the decision. So you've just got off the throne, right? 
have to be cautious. There's no other road to salvation. There's no other path. There's one place and one place alone. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father except through or by me. We look here, the scripture says, except or unless you repent. It means that there's no alternate way. Unless you, unless you do it this way, God's way, you're not going. Repentance is also important to the person who is a believer in Christ. Again, I want to refer back to what uh, Paul said. All have sinned. You go back into the Greek, and it, it is in its uh, uh, linear action. It means they just go on sinning. So what Paul's saying is that we've all sinned, and we just continue to sin. We've sinned, we separate ourselves from God, but we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. He has come in, eradicated our sin. God sees His righteousness in us. And yet, what happens? Our old nature kind of kicks in a little bit, and we continue to sin. I had a guy in college one day. Um, he, we engaged in a conversation. He was wasn't uh, part of a Baptist church. He was part of a, a different a group. And uh, he told me, Kirby, it's so cool because I have not sinned in seven days. Well, I, I couldn't judge him. I don't know. I don't know. But seven days is a long time. <laughs> it's to have that kind of attitude that says, well, I have Jesus. Everything's okay. It's okay from the way we look at it. But how are you digging into the Word and listening to the Spirit to make sure that you constantly are making those right decisions? Not only sins of things that we do, but sins of omission. Meaning, there are things that we in the Word probably aren't thinking about that we're not doing that God has commanded us. And guess what? If we don't do them, that's sin. It's a constant focus to say, God, help me understand. That linear action continues on. And if that's true, that we go on sinning, doing bad, even though we have salvation through Christ, then we have to go on repenting to be close to God, to allow God to be the Lord of our life, to have that ongoing, growing, intimate relationship with Him. That is the beauty of repentance. That's why when we come to the Lord's Supper in particular, we, we ask everyone to look into their hearts, their minds, and hear what God says. It doesn't need to be communicated to everybody else, but you need to hear what God says. So we come to the Lord's table with a pure heart. Paul tells us in the Corinthian letter that if we don't approach the Lord's table with a pure heart, there are ramifications. So repentance is essential to the lost. If you're going to be saved, if you're going to have a relationship with Christ, you've got to repent of your sin. God, forgive me. And Christ, come and take my sin away. And he will send your, his spirit to live inside of you. And he will guide you no matter when satan whispers in your ear and says listen i i want you to do something or go back and have that attitude about someone or think this or take this action that's god won't care but god will care 
he gives us the ability the holy spirit to stand up to that and say i'm done but if we if we fall to that temptation we go back to god and say god i am sorry i have a faith in you i've been a believer for years but i had this wrong thought i took this wrong action i engaged somebody in a conversation and i got angry and it was not righteous indignation and god I, I, I'm sorry for that. And then what happens? We have regret. It's to do an about face. It's to put new priorities. God, I want you to be number one in my life. So how do we repent? We've talked about what repentance is, who needs to repent, but how do we do it? Well, it's more than saying, I'm sorry. There's a lot more involved to recognize where our sin is so first the first step is to recognize your need for it uh, the reality is that we have in our culture so minimized badness the badness of sin that we're many times not conscious of its badness i mean you look at the commercials today versus uh, back 1980 a little different see the content on tv in prime time compared to the content back years ago literature have you noticed that uh, that uh, just this is my perspective is that even news articles that i read uh, where they used, didn't used to to use even letters of words we consider as uh, words that are not encouraging now they they just put the the first and the last letter and all these uh, dots or asterisks or whatever we, we live in a different world now pornography is so rampant you can get it anywhere you can do it in the privacy of your home or your closet or wherever it's accessible we live in a different world today so we need to make sure that we recognize that we have a need that there's an issue that we're not growing the way that we should grow we can't minimize the badness because if we do all of a sudden we become somewhat callous and when we become callous about something it no longer affects us we can sin and it doesn't bother us it's okay it's not that bad compared to something else we begin the comparisons you know one of the basic words for sin in the bible is the term rottenness you know a, a rotten apple with a bunch of other apples what does it do contaminates all those apples eventually just lets it sit there you ever been around us <laughs> a rotten egg how many of you ever smelled a rotten egg okay that, that's the really the intent of that word rottenness to god it stinks to high heaven so we've got to regain a sin consciousness and that means that we've got to pray for god to convict us of our sin while we might not recognize it we ask god i really god i, I want to know and let him speak to us the second step is to reform to abandon now you do not reform to gain salvation it involves reformation you see, real repentance includes the abandonment of sin. We, we abandon it as a habit of our life. 
Where there's no abandonment, there is no repentance. We can go to God and we can say, God, I ask you to forgive me of this sin. And we go back the next day and say, God, I ask you to forgive me of this sin. I slipped again. You go back the next day and say, God, I ask you. Listen, where's the genuineness, the real conviction? We've got to abandon it. We've got to take every step we can to put it behind us and move forward toward those new priorities. The habit of life is critical. And he wants us to walk away from it. It's true that I'm going to be tempted to sin. And Satan's going to know what my weakness is. And it's different for every one of us. And he's going to come and he's going to whisper in our ears. He's going to say it's going to be okay. But we need to make sure that we tell Satan, Satan, I have a abandoned that it is no longer part of my action i am a follower of jesus christ and in the name of jesus satan i tell you to get out of here because you do not belong talking to me we're in a spiritual war Satan is doing everything he can to sideline us and put us to the side. He knows he can't touch our salvation because we have eternal security if we've genuinely given our lives to Jesus Christ. But he can sure put us to the side. Jesus gives that opportunity for us to repent for salvation and to allow him to be in control of our life so that our priorities are focused upon him listen if you want to live in God's presence you've got to repent of of your sin if you want God to be the Lord of your life truly the Lord of your life you've got to you've got to repent the sin that is in your life you've got to be me I promise you, God wants the very best for you. He has provided through the blood of Jesus Christ, the one who came to tabernacle with us, the one who left the glories of heaven to say, I am coming so that you the one who had no sin to come and to die on the cross for me and for you. And three days later was raised up from, from the dead so that we might have eternal life. And one of these days he's coming back. until that time he has called us as his disciples to live a life set apart for him to make sure his priorities are our priorities and he wants nothing to interfere with that and so he's given us that avenue as believers to go to him and say god i have you as my savior through christ but i i have done something 
It's, it's creating an obstacle, a barrier for me to, to live at my fullness the way that you want me to live. And today, I want to rededicate and repent of my sin, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And it brings joy. And he provides that for us. And this morning, in our time of invitation, I ask you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ ever, that I'm asking you to step across the pew and down the aisle and take me by the, the hand and say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I may have been religious before, but I want Jesus now. I, I know now I need to repent of my sin, not just not accept his love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, but I want to repent so that I can really experience those things. And this morning, we'd invite you to do that. Maybe God's saying, hey, it's time for you to come and be a part of this congregation because we have a light to shine to this community. We invite you to come. We'd love for you to be a part of us, to join this fellowship. And for the believers here, deep, look deep within your hearts. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, this is a good time to let God speak to us. And so I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn, and I'm going to ask you to come. And I'm going to ask you, as believers, you and God have a conversation. Prepare yourself. Where there is repentance needed, please come. Come, just as you You go ahead and bow your heads while Ruth plays and what I'm asking you to do the invitation is still open but what I'm asking you to do is prepare yourself right now to observe the Lord's Supper you and God just let him speak to you and take the action he wants you to take
Why don't you go ahead and be seated if you would. I'm going to ask our deacons to make their way forward as we prepare ourselves for the observance of the Lord's Supper. This morning, our deacons will begin in just a few moments passing. I want you to understand that they'll go two times to you, first with the bread and, and then with the juice. And as you take each element, if you'll just hold on to it until we've all received it, and together we look forward to the Lord's table. We've spoken in the sermon about repentance about Christ's sacrifice. This is a time that the Lord wanted us to remember. Remember his sacrifice, but also remember that he is coming again. I'm going to ask Forrest if he would lead us in a prayer as we prepare ourselves to observe the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've left this memorial to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed his last drop of blood for the remission of our sins. So as we partake of the bread, which represents his body, may we do so, Lord, with a clear conscience and ask you to forgive all of our sins before we partake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Jesus said, take eat, this is my body. Frankie, if you would lead us in prayer, both for the symbolism of the bread that we have just taken and the juice that we are about to partake. Our Father, in this special time, we just ask you, Lord, to uh, search our hearts and search our mind, and Lord, that we may be worthy to take this cup. Lord, we just remember your, your body and this bread because how you suffered, how they beat you, how they tormented you before they hung you on the cross. So, Lord, just be with us as we take this cup and take this blood that you shed for us. Lord, we do this in remembrance of you. For I say this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Jesus said, Drink you all of it, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you the truth, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the time I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. In remembrance. In remembrance. In just a few moments, we're going to uh, have our closing prayer, and we're going to leave this place, and I would ask you, please, to remember. The fellowship of faith is so important, and we have couple in our midst, two different families that we haven't seen in a long, long time because of illness. And it's so good to see Mr. Engel over here. <laughs> Charles, yeah. yeah. And it's good to see Dorothy and Phil Swab. Yeah. We continue to pray for, for both families. And it's so good to see you here today. Nancy? Wednesday at 2.45, choir rehearsals will resume. If you've been thinking about joining choir, this would be a perfect time for you to come. Uh, as you've noticed, the choir hasn't been in the loft for the past five Sundays. And I've also given them rehearsals off, so they should be totally refreshed now and ready to get back to work. I'm looking forward to that. So 2.45 on Wednesday afternoon in the choir loft behind me. On Thursday in the CLC, we will be hosting an event by Lifeline Screen. They will be utilizing our space to do some preventive screenings on both tables in the breezeway as well as in the main lobby. There are pink sheets, pre-registration. If you would like to come and take advantage of one of the screenings, you must pre-register. You don't call the church office, but there's a phone number on that pink sheet for you to call to get pre-registered. And it says that you'll get $10 off if you pre-register. So take advantage of that if you would. Tuesday morning at nine o'clock Deacons, the Deacon Council meeting will meet in 108. Our Minister of Pastoral Counseling, Dr. Ron Horniker, will come now and lead us in our closing prayer. Would you stand, please? As we go out this week to be salt and light in a world in need, listen to the words of the writer of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace through the, blood, through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May that God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.